0: Welcome to my mommy's podcast.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Dry Farm Wines. This is the only wine I drink anymore. After researching and finding that many other wines contain added sugar, dyes like ultra red and mega purple, and filtering agents, including fish bladders, egg whites, and some other unsavory ingredients, and things like sawdust to improve the taste. But the dry farm part is important too. What this means is that the grapes are not irrigated. Without the water, they don't get as big or as sweet, yielding higher nutrient and lower alcohol wines naturally. Their wines are lab tested for purity and to make sure that they are free of even trace amounts of pesticides and herbicides. And they're all sourced from small family dry farm vineyards all over the world. I absolutely love their wines and I find them to be less expensive than other high quality wines. And Wellness Mama listeners can get an extra bottle of wine for a penny at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash wine. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash wine. This podcast is brought to you by Paleo Valley. If you have not tried these, they're awesome. They make grass fed, naturally fermented beef and now pastured turkey sticks that are high in protein and nutrients and also a good source of probiotics because they're naturally fermented and they're shelf stable. So you don't have to keep them refrigerated. We bring these along whenever we travel, and our kids love them all the time as part of an on-the-go meal. I bring them whenever I travel because they've saved me so many times from airport food. And Wellness Mama listeners can get 20% off of any order at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash paleovalley, all one word, wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash paleovalley. Hello, and welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast. I'm Katie from WellnessMama.com, and today we are going to talk about eye health, and it's going to be fascinating. I am here with Dr. Sam Byrne, who has been in private practice in New Mexico for over 25 years, and he uses holistic vision therapy to improve eye health, vision, and overall wellness. He treats the body as one integrated system rather than a collection of independent organs in order to identify and address the root causes of disease. He's developed innovative methods for healing the mind, body, and spirit through eye therapy, and he provides individuals with natural alternatives for reducing disease and improving vitality. His methods offer a holistic solution to those with autism, ADHD, cataracts, dry eye, glaucoma, macular degeneration, and other eye conditions. I can't wait to jump in, and I think a perfect place to start would be, I'd love to hear your personal story and how you developed this approach because I think a lot of people don't really think that the eyes can change. They think they can lose weight or gain muscle or change the body or even change the brain. But um, a lot of people don't really think the eyes can change. So let's start with your story and how you developed it.
0: Well, it started when I was about eight years old and I was diagnosed with a learning disability. And my mom took me everywhere. And we ended up in an eye doctor's office and I got a pair of nearsighted glasses. It didn't really uh, help my learning problem but uh, I was able to see clearly, and uh, every year I would go back and get a stronger prescription. I became a memorizer in school, that's how I learned. And when I graduated optometry school, I met a holistic eye doctor, and I went through his vision therapy, which is a a physical therapy for, for eyes, And two things happened. He diagnosed me with a condition called convergence insufficiency. And this is a condition where the two eyes don't work together and uh, when I healed that through his therapy, my reading improved, my learning skyrocketed, and it was really an amazing epiphany. And the other thing that happened is that I didn't need my nearsighted glasses anymore. I realized that I was carrying a lot of tension in my eyes and that I didn't need to do that. So. Uh, I didn't need my prescription. I wasn't nearsighted anymore. I was able to see 2020. So then I decided I wanted to go into a more holistic approach to eye care. And that's really how I got my start in my private practice.
1: That's so fascinating. And I feel like a lot of people um, don't think that the eyes can change, that they think that the eyes are a pretty static thing and that once they've um, deteriorated, if to use that word, to a certain point, that they're stuck there and people will acknowledge that they can change their body through dieting and exercise or even their brain now that we start to understand neuroplasticity. But a lot of people just really deny, including a lot of doctors that I've talked to, that the eyes can change. Um, In fact, when my daughter had Uh, we took her in for her eye exam when she was five years old, starting kindergarten. And she was diagnosed with um, like a nearsightedness and a lazy eye and all these things. But I noticed that they had started, um, like you mentioned tension in your case, they had started right after a really stressful event in our lives and a big move and all these changes. And so I really wondered if there could be something else that was contributing. And the doctor told me flat out that there was no way, nothing could change it. Um, But your research has kind of proven that that the eyes can change so can you talk about that like are the eyes set in stone or can we like in your case you actually reverse these problems
0: well the eyes originate from brain tissue in the first trimester we see in the fetus that the eyes actually grow out from the brain so every tissue of the eye is brain tissue so you mentioned neuroplasticity since the eyes are part of the brain they qualify for neuroplasticity. And in some of the latest research, actually, uh, there are uh, studies out that show that the eyes do have the regenerative capability, especially in the retina, they're doing stem cell therapy. So when we work with the eyes, we're working with an extension of the brain. So that's number one. The second thing is that the eyes actually link and reflect what's going on with our systemic and metabolic health. And so, for example, if we have inflammation in the gut, that actually can be one of the causative factors of conditions like macular degeneration or glaucoma or cataracts. Um, If we have dry eye syndrome, as an example, that's connected to adrenal burnout. So our sympathetic nervous system is overworking. Uh, So there is definitely a very strong link between our eyes and our body. And we do have the capability to improve our vision at any age uh, through nutrition, through vision therapy, and other techniques that I've developed. And I think that it's starting to change. People are recognizing we can change other parts of our body. Why not our eyes?
1: Yeah, I love that. And I love that you are out there doing actually doing this and having results with people because it's showing that it can be done. So I'm curious how you um, treat some of the causative factors of different eye diseases that you see. Like I know that there's a lot of different ones out there, but when someone comes into you, um, what are some of the more common ones that you're seeing and how do you address those?
0: Well, just today I saw somebody uh, who was diagnosed with wet macular degeneration And macular degeneration is probably one of the leading causes of blindness today basically the macula is the center part of the retina where we see detail and the retina has one of the highest metabolic needs of the body and the macula has the highest metabolic need of the retina and What causes oxidative stress in the macula, which is what macular degeneration is, is that free radicals accumulate there. So on a cellular level, uh, the mitochondria are not producing enough ATP, and this creates metabolic waste that starts to accumulate. So in this lady's case, she was getting injections Uh, pharmaceutical drugs to try to stop or slow down the wet macular degeneration. And so what I suggested is that we start uh, having her take some carotenoids, and these would be things like lutein and zeaxanthin. And this is well researched. In the ARID study in 2001, uh, people that took carotenoids and uh, antioxidants for their eyes had a 25% reduction of getting macular degeneration. So I'm putting her on these eye vitamins and antioxidants, and we're gonna get her off the injections, which have a lot of side effects. They create inflammation and uh, eye irritation, and they're not really helping. Uh, So in macular degeneration, it's very important to get those yellow carotenoids, lutein and zeaxanthin, kind of the yellow, green, leafy vegetables, Uh, the orange bell peppers, those kinds of things. Omega-3 fish oil is another really important uh, nutrient for the eyes. Uh, Let's take a look at cataracts. Cataracts is a problem with the metabolism of the lens of the eye. And the macula, the lens, and the cornea rely on their circulation indirectly from blood from the blood vessels. So they're called avascular tissues. So the lens of the eye is very vulnerable for getting a, an accumulation of this metabolic waste. Uh, and this creates the, the cataract formation. Actually, you can use homeopathic eye drops, uh, glutathione, uh, lots of antioxidants, and in an early to moderate stage of cataracts, you can actually reverse cataracts without needing surgery. The third major eye disease is glaucoma, and this is a very scary disease. I call it the silent thief, because when you have glaucoma, you don't know it, and it begins to uh, reduce your peripheral vision, and you can actually go blind from it. So the key in glaucoma is to increase the lymphatic health to the fluid health in the eyes and in the body. And there's certain herbal remedies, certain antioxidants, even things like acupuncture and craniosacral therapy can actually help balance the eye pressure and improve the optic nerve health. So overall, just in these three conditions, if you change your diet, if you reduce your stress... If you find out that you have heavy metal toxicity and you get rid of that, if you balance your endocrine system, if you do my eye exercises, you can actually reverse a lot of these eye diseases without using surgery and pharmaceuticals. And that's my mission. That's my message. I'm so excited about putting this work out there because you're right. It's not really well known in, in general, you know, health.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I love that's music to my ears coming from the nutrition background um, that, you know, even what we eat can affect our eyes. Because like I said, it makes sense to so many people that what you eat affects your gut or it affects your skin or different areas of the body. And it makes sense when you think about it that it would affect your eyes, too. Um, But I love that you've actually seen that in practice, seeing people being able to change their eyes through dietary and lifestyle interventions. And you mentioned eye exercises, and I want to delve into those because um, with our daughter, that was one of the things that we did with her. And literally, she went from um, like really bad vision. I forget how bad it was, but it was it was really bad. And like they were saying she needed these like really thick glasses. And I was like, okay, if we need to do glasses, we will. But I want to try some exercises and different things first. And I read a ton of books. And we did a lot of the exercises, took her to a different eye doctor and tested her as if she'd never been tested, and her vision had drastically improved. So I am a huge believer, but talk to us about eye exercises and how they work.
0: Okay, well, that's, that's a great story. Um, so basically, you know, the eyes and the brain and the body have a certain pattern, you know, and it's what, what's going on in the eyes is reflected in our posture, our movement, our emotions, um, our brain processing. And so in terms of the eye exercises that you're referring to, you can actually repattern, reprogram, and retrain how the eyes and the brain and the body work together. And you spoke about glasses. When you go to an eye doctor and you get a prescription that's calculated based on the 2020 eye chart, That's going to do nothing more than weaken your vision, especially in children. And they use eye drops to dilate the eyes and paralyze the focusing muscles. Then they give the maximum lens prescription. And what that does is that actually reduces the uh, the visual function of the eyes when you wear a really strong prescription. So the idea is if you start doing the vision therapy exercises, and some of them are whole body, some of them are based on brain and perception and memory, some of them are based on more visual tracking and visual coordination exercises, and there's a sequence when you introduce them, especially to a child, but for anybody, that actually what happens is you start to have stronger vision and you don't need that prescription or that strong of a prescription. Because any prescription you get that's based on 2020 is gonna weaken your eyes. And one of my strategies is sometimes I will prescribe a less strong prescription or I'll base my prescription on a person's focusing response. So that's a dynamic measurement of how we measure the lens, for the visual system. And then based on that, it actually relaxes the eyes, but still allows them to see clearly, it's not too strong. Uh, But the vision therapy exercises are kind of like a neuroplasticity training. So it's retraining the brain and the eyes to have a new experience, whether it's integrating peripheral vision, central vision, visual information processing. And again, it, it works really well. It's kind of like changing the pattern That we, you know, that we're set with, and it works very well. It's it's very effective.
1: That's so fascinating, and I'm curious. So, like, can these things be done as part of just like a holistic health routine? Like, could someone who doesn't have a diagnosed eye problem, but who's like, for me, like getting older and doesn't want to develop eye problems, is this something we can do preventatively as well?
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, on my website, I've uh, put put out some videos and free eye exercises that actually improve the eye circulation, to reduce stress, uh, to open up the peripheral vision. Uh, Because our, our eyes are pattern addicts, basically, and we're on these digital devices all day, this is going to degenerate and deteriorate our eyesight. And if we start doing these exercises that reduce our stress, open up our eye circulation, improve our visual information processing, then of course, we're going to be able to not only preserve our vision, but our vision can get better as we get older. You know, people that are in bifocals and trifocals, and they've had these different kinds of eye surgeries and taking these pharmaceutical drugs. This is taking us further away from our ability to heal our eyes. And that's why these natural methods are so effective in helping us regain our eyesight and vision. It's very empowering to be able to do these exercises and regain our eyesight and vision.
1: Yeah, that's really exciting. And so even you're saying for someone who has worn glasses for years, there's still the ability to improve their eyes?
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, you know, as an example, say let's go through the conditions. If you're if you're nearsighted, what that means is you've made an adaptation where you've pulled the visual world in. That's what I did when I was a child. And so, you're basically the mind is telling the eyes, I don't know what's going on out there. I've got to pull my world in to make sense of it. So, it's attention-based uh, problem and so basically the eye doctor validates the adaptation you make by giving you a nearsighted prescription. Farsightedness or hyperopia is pushing the world out, pushing it away and in that particular situation you get a lens that makes a magnification but then that causes your eye muscles to become very flaccid and so they lose the responsiveness of their focusing. Astigmatism is a twisting of the eyes so there's some twist in the eye muscles that is created, again, it's an adaptive response, either stress, trauma, toxicity. And so then you get those lenses and you start wearing them and it weakens your vision. So in my approach, what you can begin doing is wear a slightly reduced prescription in non-demanding and non-threatening situations and your visual system then has the opportunity to begin to relax and the eyes can work together. So you can begin to move away from the strong prescription. I say it like this, you go to the eye doctor, you're sitting in a dark room, you have a machine over your face, and the doctor is flipping lenses saying, which is clear, number one or number two, number one or number two? And let's say you're having a bad day, and you guess number two, and you get this lens and you start worrying and you go, my goodness, this is making me dizzy, it's making me nauseous, it's giving me a headache. You go back to the doctor and what does he say? Don't worry, you'll get used to it. No, you do not wanna try to get used to something that's making you um, imbalanced. So you've gotta be very careful of the lenses that you wear because they will weaken your eyes and there are ways that you can start unwinding the visual system even as you get older so that you don't have to be so dependent on the prescriptions.
1: That makes perfect sense, and like what you said about how adaptable the eyes are, that makes perfect sense. That if they put you at the worst prescription or the strongest prescription possible, that your eyes will learn to adapt. And it also makes sense you'll be dizzy while you do, because your eyes are so tied to your vestibular system and everything else. Um, So that's super fascinating. And I feel like so would the the exercises that you do or the protocol would that be different for something like someone who's nearsighted versus um, like would these conditions require different things or are there some exercises that benefit everybody?
0: Well, there's some exercises that would benefit everybody, you know, the ones that are stress reducing and they open up the circulation. But say for a nearsighted person, that kind of a, a pattern is a tunneling of the vision. And you become very focal, very agency driven. So there isn't a lot of uh, peripheral vision, there isn't a lot of relaxation. It's basically fight or flight response, hypervigilance, I got to focus and get it done. So those exercises would be more peripheral oriented and uh, more relaxation. You know, I always say focus and expand, focus and relax for farsighted people. And this includes people in their 40s who start needing reading glasses and magnification. What happens is you start losing your focusing muscle responsiveness. So those people need more agency more focusing in their exercises and more focusing flexibility and this is kind of a cool thing for nearsighted people i'll give farsighted prescriptions for them to wear while they're doing their exercises and for farsighted people i'll give nearsighted prescriptions for them to wear so you're wearing the opposite prescription as a way to rebalance how the eye brain body works together and it's amazing when you start wearing something opposite and you have to deal with things like blur and you know how to change your focusing so you're able to do the exercises. So you can use glasses therapeutically to improve your vision. I remember when I got in my first practice and I had trouble getting patients, I went to one of the local hospitals and uh, I, I was working in the traumatic brain injury clinic. This was an outpatient uh, place at one of the hospitals and I said to the physiatrist, I have this physical therapy for your for the eyes that can help all these folks with double vision, memory problems, vestibular issues. And so I developed this whole program to work with traumatic brain injury And I had phenomenal success in a short period of time. And one of the things I developed was the use of therapeutic prisms. So these are prisms that when you put them on, it actually stimulates your spatial awareness and your peripheral vision. So let's say you have a stroke on your right eye, you lose the peripheral vision there. You can actually prescribe a therapeutic lens that puts you into that blind spot and that begins to activate the peripheral vision there and also that side of the body and within a few weeks you start regaining the peripheral vision on the side where you've had the damage or the, uh, the injury. So again, neuroplasticity, you can change your eyes because they are part of the brain and through nutrition, through the exercises, um, it, it's just a very effective approach in helping people improve their vision.
1: It's so cool. And so I listened to some of your podcasts and you've mentioned a few times the connection of the eye to the brain and the eyes being brain tissue essentially. And you had a great podcast on how behavioral conditions like ADHD and autism uh, can be kind of addressed through vision therapy and that whole eye-brain connection. And I know a lot of people listening, I've heard from a lot of readers whose children are struggling with potentially some of those issues. So I'd love if you could really delve into that connection and how you are addressing that.
0: So when I graduated optometry school, um, I attended a place called the Gazelle Institute. It was affiliated with uh, the Yale Study Center in New Haven, Connecticut. Arnold Gazelle started this institute in 1948, a long, long time ago. He was a child researcher, developmental specialist, but it was an institute where I learned to evaluate kids along the ASD to ADD uh, spectrum. Now this was back in the mid eighties before you know, really exploded. But there were a couple of things that I learned um, at that institute that stayed with me that when we have a vision problem, it's more than in the eyeball, but it's in the whole person. And because of this eye-brain connection, uh, that with these, you know, these spectrum disorders from ASD to ADD, that one of the things that's missing, and I'm so excited now, I'm seeing research where they're linking up Uh, vision problems with autism and ADD and ADHD. And clearly most eye exams stop at the 2020 eye chart. And I've had parents come to see me and say, well, I did go for an eye test and everything checked out in terms of the distance security chart. And I said, yes, that's not vision, that's eyesight. So if you take a child with autism, and you know, I have a saying that when you see one child with autism, you've seen one child with autism, because there's so many different factors involved. But the visual piece where they're not establishing eye contact, they're always looking down. They have difficulty going up and down stairs. They're focusing on one object incessantly for long periods of time. Difficulty with tracking, focusing, visual coordination. Um, That we want to bring vision into the conversation because it's part of the brain in terms of the autistic spectrum disorder. Now, on the other end of it, there was another really exciting research study that was done through the University of California at San Diego. An ophthalmologist, Dr. Granite, did a study where kids who were diagnosed with ADHD had a vision condition that I had. I spoke about this a few minutes ago called convergence insufficiency. And he found that about 10% of kids who were diagnosed with ADHD had this convergence insufficiency and that if you repaired that through eye therapy, like I did, the ADHD symptoms would go away. So I guess what I'm saying is that these, these situations, these spectrum disorders, they're complicated and there isn't a magic bullet. I think nutrition, toxicities, trauma, you know, genetics, I mean, there are many factors that we could talk about. But I want to bring vision into the conversation of awareness that goes beyond the eye chart. I remember I was getting, I was involved with um, consulting with a number of schools and school nurses would call me and they would say, Dr. Byrne, all these kids are passing the distance eye test. What can we do as a better test to see if they actually have a vision problem? And I said, give them something to read and just observe their behavior. If they start pulling the book in, if they close or cover one eye, if their face gets scowled, you know, if they're stressing or straining, that's going to tell you that there's a vision problem. So it's the near test of looking at the print that actually is a better indicator on what's going on in the visual system. So it's an exciting awareness to, to recognize that, vision is part of this whole sense motor developmental process in all of these kids. And, um, you know, I've had great success over the years working with working with these children and um, want to continue to do so.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think this is awesome that you're bringing this into the conversation, because like you said, it is a holistic approach. And I think you found a very important key of it. And I want to go through a few more specific conditions that I've gotten questions about. So make sure we address those. And then I want to go back to the big picture. But I have gotten quite a few email questions about floaters. And I'm curious if you have uh, any specific advice or instruction for people who have floaters.
0: Absolutely. So that's a great question. Uh, So in the jelly-like part of the eye, it's called the vitreous, uh, the jelly-like part of the eye is between the lens of the eye and the retina. So it's, it's this jelly material And this is the place where floaters, uh, start developing. So what is a floater? A floater is basically oxidative stress. It's a free radical damage where the jelly-like part of the eye begins to solidify. And this creates, you know, these specks or these threads that kind of come through the vision into your line of sight. Now, one of the reasons why we develop floaters is again because as we age, we have less oxygenation and hydration in the eye tissue, and so this creates um, a real vulnerability in the vitreous where this oxidative stress becomes these floaters. So again, the idea is is that you want to make sure you're getting enough antioxidants for your eyes that can actually chew up these free radicals. And yes, you can. Reverse floaters. Um, it takes, you know, you need to really increase your um, antioxidants, especially. And I spoke about this before. The carotenoids, omega-3 fish oil, beta-carotene, vitamin C, vitamin E, astaxanthin, really important for your eyes. Glutathione, magnesium, selenium, chromium. Uh, So, you can reverse floaters. I also think the digital devices, if you're on a computer a lot, this this can be another contributing factor to the development of floaters. You want to be careful about the blue light that's coming off the computer. Uh, So when when the blue light, um, especially after 6 p.m., it begins to suppress the melatonin, so it's affecting our sleep cycle. But the blue light can also damage uh, all of our eye tissues, our retina, our macula, our vitreous, our lens. So if if you feel vulnerable with that, you can get something called blue blocking lenses, which actually block the, the blue light. And a lot of people don't know about this. There is a connection between the vitreous and the liver meridian in acupuncture. If you go through some detoxification program, support your liver better, this is another way for you to reduce the floaters.
1: I love that you mentioned blue blockers because I've worn them for years and um, and also we just reduce blue light in our home at night by not watching screens as much as possible and we have like lower level lights that we use in the evening in lamps versus the overhead lights. Um, but I want to go deeper on screens and I'm really curious what your professional opinion is because just logically as a mom, um, like seeing the increase in all these vision problems in kids and Like, I can only remember a couple people I knew as a kid who had glasses, and now I see so many young, young children, even toddlers with glasses. And um, one factor that I can at least think of that could potentially contribute is that we are looking at screens so much more than we used to, which is the blue light. But I also wonder, are there any other factors there with screens, whether we're looking at something the same distance away or anything else that we need to be concerned about as parents with our kids looking at screens so much?
0: Well, one of the key factors is movement stimulates vision. And, you know, when you and I were growing up, we were creeping and crawling and climbing and outside and playing ball and all of the things that we were doing. And when you're on those digital devices, and I've consulted at schools or in the first grader, the iPads, I don't agree with that. I think that creates a visual confinement. It creates focusing at one position for long periods of time. Um, it's definitely gonna shut down your visual system. We haven't even talked about the EMFs, because that's another issue. And to a holistic eye doctor, one of the things that's really great about doing that is that a holistic eye doctor is going to test what a child's ability is, what their focusing response is. And you can prescribe something called a learning lens or a developmental lens which has nothing to do with reading the distance charts, but when you wear that rel- lens, it actually opens up your peripheral vision and it relaxes your system. And it's a great tool with kids who are having difficulties with reading or if they're on their digital devices a lot. These learning lenses, they won't create dependency or deterioration. They actually protect your eyes from becoming nearsighted and they actually relax your visual system. And it's a wonderful tool in terms of supporting somebody who's gotta be on digital devices and then of course you talked about the blue light yes it's, it's definitely a big issue in terms of how it affects our vision and this is another really interesting point i want to bring to your listeners if you've had cataract surgery and they put the plastic lens in your eye that plastic lens most likely won't have blue blockers in it and so therefore you're more susceptible to developing macular degeneration unless you were told, wear blue blocking glasses. So when we have our original hardware, our original lenses, there's a pigment that blocks some of the blue light. Now it doesn't fully develop toward about age 11. But if you've had cataract surgery, you are very wide open to developing macular degeneration if you don't use blue blocking lenses. And that would also supplement with the carotenoids, lutein and zeaxanthin. So a lot of people don't know that, I'm going to bring that out as a very important point if you use digital devices.
1: That makes perfect sense as well. And I wonder too, if there's a flip side, because not only are we like looking at artificial blue light at night, but I feel like we're not, and this is something I've written a lot about, we're not getting enough daylight, like actual from the sun daylight, which is so much more diverse and brighter than inside light um, during the day. And I read a cool study, you probably would know it better than I would, but about how there's light signaling cells in the retina because they looked at blind people and people who had had their eyes removed. And blind people were still able to Um, adjust their circadian rhythms to new time zones and when they traveled, um, whereas those who had had their eyes removed weren't able to, and they were trying to figure out why. And there was like a specific cell, I can't remember the name, but it was in the back of the eye that was signaled by bright light, um, and that that controlled the circadian rhythm. So it seems like it would make sense that in that case, the reverse is also true, that we're not getting enough daylight, enough bright blue light when we're supposed to, to signal our bodies to have um, a correct circadian rhythm and that, that probably would also affect the eyes as well. I don't know. Are you familiar with that?
0: Uh, very much so. so. So let me just talk about light for a second. So light is a food and it affects when it enters the eyes, it affects our endocrine system, our nervous system, and our visual system. So part of the light, when it enters the retina, It stimulates the photoreceptors, as you say, and then the signal is sent through the optic nerve back to the brain, and that's how we see. There's another pathway called the retinal hypothalamic pathway, where that light is traveling to the hypothalamus, which is the master gland of the body. And then from there, there's signals that are sent to the pineal and the pituitary, which precisely, as you say, balance the circadian rhythm. And so it's very important that we get proper light every day. It affects our mood. That's why people get seasonal affective disorder. It also balances our nervous system and our endocrine system. And we are heliotropic. We go towards the light, just like the plants. And yes, we need to protect our eyes from the ultraviolet sunlight. So so between 10 and 4, if you want to wear polarized sunglasses with UV blocking tints, that's totally fine, or a hat. But it's very important that you get 30 to 60 minutes of natural light every day. It's so important. Another piece to the puzzle is many years ago, um, I studied how to use different colors, where you look at different colors in a machine uh, that's projected into your eyes, and that actually can help improve your peripheral vision. So I call that light therapy. And to this day, I still treat people with light and color therapy. And what it does is it stimulates the photoreceptors in the retina that go to sleep. Up uh, due to stress, trauma, toxicity. And if you can reawaken those photoreceptors through different color frequencies, you open up the peripheral vision and that improves your depth perception, your memory and your body balance. So light is a really important nutrient for our eyes and our body. Let's not be afraid of it. It's part of us. We're part of the sun. We just have to you know, navigate how we take care of ourselves If we are susceptible to maybe getting cataracts or macular degeneration, but in children, especially They need to get at least 30 to 60 minutes of natural light every day
1: Yeah, that makes perfect sense And so basically like someone who pretty much just always wears sunglasses anytime they're outside just as a matter of habit That could actually be contributing to eye problems in some ways because they're not getting enough of that light
0: Absolutely, and so, you know, you have to I'm I'm very moderate in my um, approach so it's not that I'm against sunglasses. You know, I live in the desert Southwest, and so there are times that I do wear sunglasses when I'm skiing or if I'm up at 12,000 feet. But the natural light is so critical for balancing our systems, circadian rhythm, our mood, our you know, our visual processing. We need light in order to see, and um, it, it's a very important nutrient that I really encourage people to get that. You can do an exercise called sunning where you can actually go outside. And again, you can do this in the morning, close your eyes and direct your your eyes towards the sun with your eyes closed and slowly move your head from side to side and invite the the sun into your eyes, but your eyelids are closed so you're You're getting the protection, but the eyelids are translucent. So you're getting the light into your eyes, but in a more regulated way. That would be a way people could could still get sunlight into their eyes, but still feel like they're protecting themselves.
1: So what about um, dry eyes? I've gotten quite a few emails from people who have um, various versions of dry eyes. I think there's even an autoimmune version. Um, Are there natural ways people can address that?
0: There was a research study that was done that showed that uh, people who supplemented with omega-3 fish oil that actually their tears their increased and uh, they had more sustaining tears. So um, omega-3 fish oil is really important. I would also say in terms of most eye drops that you get from the pharmacy, those actually dry your eyes even more. I've done a lot of videos on, you know, what eye drops you should use. Uh, the two eye drops that I recommend, one is a homeopathic eye drop and the other is called MSM and msm is a really important eye drop that actually moisturizes the eyes it helps in a reduce inflammation and increases cell permeability and um, it's a really great eye drop that's natural so it's moisturizing without any side effects homeopathic eye drops help increase the the immune system in the eyes they're great for moisturizing also um, there was another study that came out that the women who are low in estrogen or or women who also have been through menopause, they tend to suffer more dry eyes. So there's actually a special homeopathic eye drop that you can use if you've been through menopause and you have dry eye. I also think there's a connection between dry eye and the adrenal system. So if you're you know, suffering adrenal burnout, um, that's gonna dry your eyes also. If you're on digital devices, uh, you know that's another reason why you can develop dry eye. Uh, so in terms of the dry eye syndrome, there's so many great things you can do to support yourself through eye drops, through nutrients, through stress reduction, and what's out there in terms of pharmaceuticals and what's in the pharmacy is only going to dry your eyes even more, and you just get dependent on these eye drops. They're only treating a symptom.
1: That's good to know. And so you had also, I believe, a podcast or have written about the ocular microbiome. And I've studied like the gut microbiome quite a bit and the oral microbiome. And I have to admit, I had never even considered the fact that the eye has a microbiome as well. Um, but I'd love if you could explain how that, how that works and how we can support the ocular microbiome.
0: There was, a, there was a study that came out which actually showed that we have an ocular microbiome. And uh, I was really excited to see that because i 've known that for years that our eyes have a really important bacteria, good bacteria that, that prevents or reduces our infection uh, possibilities and you know inflammation issues and Then there was another study that was done I think this was through uh, the Journal of microbiology, and they actually took people who had contact lenses they work contact lenses, and they found that those people had a reduced ocular microbiome, so we could go into what. You know what contact lens wearers should do to boost the ocular microbiome, but basically the, the idea is is that when you start using antibiotic eye drops or steroid eye drops or glaucoma eye drops or byzine, but- you are reducing the ocular microbiome. If you're using homeopathic eye drops or um, MSM eye drops, you are improving the ocular microbiome. So in terms of what you're putting into your eyes and how you're taking care of your eyes, it's going to support a a healthy ocular microbiome. So you have less risk for inflammation, autoimmune diseases like you talked about, like uveitis is a very serious um, uh, inflammation in the eye and part of it could be autoimmune. Once you go down that route and you start taking steroids, this really reduces the ocular microbiome. So, I wrote this article in Mind Body Green, and I talk a lot about ways that you can boost the ocular microbiome. And there's going to be more and more written about it. I'd actually like to see a probiotic eye drop produced. Um, that would be really interesting as a way to increase the ocular microbiome. So, you're on it. You're right there.
1: That would be fascinating if there was a probiotic eye drop for especially for you mentioned people with contact lenses um, because I feel like they tend to use eye drops more often anyway. That would be really cool if someone developed that. Maybe that's something we'll see from you down the road. This podcast is brought to you by Dry Farm Wines. This is the only wine I drink anymore. After researching and finding that many other wines contain added sugar, dyes like ultra red and mega purple, and filtering agents including fish bladders, egg whites, and some other unsavory ingredients, and things like sawdust to improve the taste. But the dry farm part is important too. What this means is that the grapes are not irrigated. Without the water, they don't get as big or as sweet, yielding higher nutrient and lower alcohol wines naturally. Their wines are lab tested for purity and to make sure that they are free of even trace amounts of pesticides and herbicides. And they're all sourced from small family dry farm vineyards all over the world. I absolutely love their wines and I find them to be less expensive than other high quality wines and Wellness Mama listeners can get an extra bottle of wine for a penny at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash wine. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash wine. This podcast is brought to you by Paleo Valley. If you have not tried these, they're awesome. They make grass-fed, naturally fermented beef and now pastured turkey sticks that are high in protein and nutrients and also a good source of probiotics because they're naturally fermented and they're shelf-stable so you don't have to keep them refrigerated. We bring these along whenever we travel and our kids love them all the time as part of an on-the-go meal. I bring them whenever I travel because they've saved me so many times from airport food. And Wellness Mama listeners can get 20% off of any order at wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash paleo valley all one word wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash paleo valley um and i promise we bring it back to the big picture i love that we delved into all the specific conditions and i'd love to kind of like go back to the overarching like what are some things if you could kind of like wave a magic wand and have all of us do things that would be better for our eyes what would be some of the things that we could all do to improve our eye health
0: Well, first of all, I think to be more aware of what you eat, um, and, you know, you talk a lot about nutrition, that rainbow diet, the antioxidants, so important for your eyes. Um, You know, before I really got into all this, I used to just counsel my patients to eat, you know, more plant-based, organic um, you know, the rainbow diet and they'd come back and their cataracts were going away or, you know, their macular degeneration was getting better. So I think that's the first thing is, you know, what you eat is so important. The second thing is to take a look at, you know, if you do have toxicities in your body, they could be affecting your eyes. And if your vision is going up and down, Or you're having a deterioration to recognize that there may be some systemic and metabolic reasons why your visual system is letting you down and maybe start to explore some of those things stress is a really big issue so you can do uh, eye relaxation exercises to reduce your stress and body relaxation exercises so important for discharging the stress from your eye muscles because when you accumulate all that stress in your eyes and you're not able to discharge it this reduces the circulation flow and this is the start down the road of deteriorating eyesight whether you need to get stronger glasses contacts or um, you know you're developing an eye disease next there's if you're using the computer i call it the 20 20 20 rule and what it is is that every 20 minutes you take uh, twenty seconds and you look up and out at twenty feet. So it's the twenty 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 rule. Um, I think that in terms of the digital devices, if you're at all concerned, I would wear the blue blocking lenses. I would go to a holistic eye doctor where you can get a lens prescription that's based on the computer and don't use bifocals or progressive bifocals. Those are the invisible bifocals because those help you focus through a tiny hole in the lens. You're not using the whole lens. So you shouldn't be using bifocals or progressive lenses for computer. You want to use a single vision lens. The wider the window that you're looking through, the more relaxed your visual system is. I would make sure to get at least 30 minutes of sunlight every day. That's critically important. That's without any lenses, any sunglasses. And if you do wear corrective lenses, start going without them, maybe in your bedroom, five to 10 to 15 minutes a day, give your eyes a rest and just explore what it's like to be without your corrective glasses. If you want to negotiate with your eye doctor, say, hey, can I get a prescription that's slightly reduced and start wearing that? That's going to be very relaxing for your visual system. I would also take a look at any inflammatory response you have in your body, especially your gut. Since the the eyes originate from brain tissue, if the gut is inflamed, the brain could be inflamed and the, the eyes could be inflamed. Also, in terms of genetics, you don't have to live out that destiny. Again, environment can change how our genes are are expressing based on our environment, what we eat, what our stress level is, and so on. So in terms of children, um, I would get an early vision exam, but I would do so with a holistic eye doctor that's looking at not only the sensory eye system, but also how the eyes and the, and the body work together. Try to get a developmental vision evaluation so that you're looking at the visual system developmentally and be very careful about any lens prescription you put on a child that um, could weaken the eyes. If you've got strabismus, you eye turning in or turning out, I don't recommend eye muscle surgery because that actually creates more confusion in the brain. Vision therapy is much more effective in uh, healing strabismus and lazy eye uh, than surgery. So you don't want to be doing surgery with kids. That's, and you don't want to be eye, wearing an eye patch seven or eight hours a day. That also doesn't work uh, also. I've got lots of resources on my website, free, free resources. Um, I'm happy to interact with people because I want to get this word out there. As you can tell, it's not really well known. Uh, so those are just a few of the things that I would suggest to recommend for people to take better care of their eyes.
1: That's all such great advice. and um you've mentioned several of your videos, your podcast. And your website, I'll make sure all of those are linked in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm so people can find them, or they can also just Google you, Dr. Sam Byrne, and find you as well. Um, But also, if someone's listening and maybe has never considered that eyesight something they could change, and now they have that, like, I want to change that. I want to stop wearing glasses. I want to fix my eyes. Um, How can they work with you directly? I think you have workshops I maybe saw on your website, but what what would be the best place for someone to start to contact
0: you? You know, just... um uh contact us through our email through drsamburn.com and um a lot of times <clears throat> there's some free advice that I can give just to get people started. I have so many free videos on eye exercises and nutritional uh perspectives. Uh, so hook in with me with Facebook and uh um you know we can start the process. And I do workshops and you know I still see private patients. Uh, But, um, you know, just just join my community and get a different point of view, just like yourself, Um, because people need to feel hopeful. They need to know there's other information out there than what they're getting, and they don't have to live out the doctor's diagnosis. You know, that's critical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you are bringing awareness to that message and helping so many people. And I know you're very busy. I thank you so much for your time and being here. This has been super fascinating. And I know that you're helping a lot of people and hopefully you'll reach even more through this. And just thank you for being here.
0: Oh, you're welcome. And thank you, Katie. It was a real pleasure.
1: And thanks to all of you for listening. And I hope to see you next time on the Healthy Moms podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.